0: Talk to my friend, Drew and Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate and his opinion. Conservative mm-hmm. Drew Allen. And Drew diehard Drew. conservative. I look this guy for wisdom. And I am finally, finally back behind the microphone, my friends, patriots, all across this fertile land. This is Drew Allen, your host. It's been a couple weeks now. A couple weeks. I would have normally done four or five episodes in that time frame. And uh, that's what's really more frustrating than anything else. Look, I am good. Uh, If I have to do this, I apologize. (coughs) I have a lingering cough. That's what remains... Of the China virus for me, Um, uh, still, uh, still not quite hundred percent. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. I'm, I am definitely good enough to sit here again and and do this program. But uh, just got a lingering cough that you might have to deal with it. And 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 being out like I was for two weeks, a couple things have happened. One, one, I've wanted to talk to you for two weeks straight. Every day, I've still kept up with the news as much as I could. And and it has just been devastating for me not to be able to actually get behind this microphone and, and talk about these issues because they've accumulated. They've accumulated. And so I've got one episode now. I'm finally back. And I'm not, I, realistically, you know, I can't, I can't cover two weeks worth of stuff I've wanted to say. So I've just got to pick up and start. Uh, bear with me as I get my legs underneath me again, being out for such a long time, uh, not using my voice, Um, uh, not, not doing the program preparation that I do. Uh, you know, I'm feeling a little bit, a little bit, um, off balance here, but, um, look, we got a lot to get into. I mean, the, the Rittenhouse trial, uh, we are waiting on pins and needles to hear the verdict from the jury there. And, um, we shouldn't be waiting on pins and needles because it's as clear cut a case of self-defense as I have ever seen. And if you watched any of this trial whatsoever, uh, the prosecutors, the district attorney, that office, Binger, uh, those seeking uh, to to, uh, destroy this young man's life, uh they 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 look like they got their law degree from the same place binger got his um, his training in how to use safely a weapon which is to say that he doesn't know anything uh the the entire course of this trial do, do you know what i'm talking about when i'm talking about his binger the assistant district attorney there in this case do you know what I'm talking about when I'm saying that his law degree came from the same place as the, the place he got his uh, uh, training in gun safety? He pointed he pointed a gun with his finger on the trigger in the courtroom at people inside that courtroom. That is how stupid this individual is. That This guy has never probably shot a gun before in his life. And he's made this entire trial, of course as some kind of rejection of the Second Amendment, some kind of condemnation of the Second Amendment, I have never seen such an incompetent case brought before a jury before. I have never seen such stupid individuals as, uh, as prosecutors as this. I mean you know you know the, the this this whole thing this whole thing is an absolute sham and the, the 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 district attorney's office never had a case because despite the media's efforts even back when the Kenosha riots took place and uh and Kyle rittenhouse did use his weapon in self-defense and happened to kill two people and injure another one Well, they tried, they tried desperately uh, uh, to paint this kid as some kind of, of radical Trumpist vigilante, some kind of white supremacist. I mean, that was their narrative from the beginning. But of course... There was video footage of the entire evening, video footage from different angles, where the American people, once again, you don't have to listen to the news tell you what happened. You could watch it with your own eyes and see what took place. Kenosha, Wisconsin was absolutely on fire. BLM. And other protesters were rioting in the streets, destroying people's personal property. And the police, what did they do? They just sat back and watched Kenosha go up in flames. Watched, well, hundreds of millions of dollars, no doubt, at least, in damages to the city. (coughs) And to individuals whose property was being destroyed. And, you know, remember the governor of Wisconsin... Uh, I believe it was the governor. You know, Donald Trump actually offered up the National Guard. He offered to send in troops to bring law and order and peace to that city, and he was denied. He was denied. And so, of course, locally in Kenosha, the mayor, the governor of the state, the, the law enforcement who sat on their loins and took no action whatsoever to get things under control, they're the ones who are actually responsible for this entire situation that took place. Had the police actually done their jobs, there would have been no need for someone like Kyle Rittenhouse to come in armed and feel like he even had to defend anybody's personal property. Had any reason to defend the city and town where his family lived? Had the police done their job? Had these riots been stopped early on? But this is the result of the anarchy that was created. And you cannot sit here and tell me I won't listen to it. I won't entertain it. That, oh, Kyle Rittenhouse, he shouldn't have been there with a gun. He shouldn't have been... Why not? Nobody else was doing anything. Nobody else was defending the city. What are you supposed to do? You don't think that people, American citizens, who own guns and have a Second Amendment right aren't going to step up and fill the void left by police officers and others in positions of power who are neglecting Derelict in their duty to actually defend the citizens of of, of local communities, states, cities across this country? That's the inevitable conclusion. That's what happens. And so actually, if the police had done their job, if the mayor had done his job, if the governor had done his job, none of this would have taken place. Kyle Rittenhouse wouldn't have been there. And Kyle Rittenhouse certainly wouldn't have had to defend himself, killing two individuals and injuring another one. Now, I just want to give you an idea of how ridiculous this case is. Now, Kyle Rittenhouse, we have the video, right? He's being chased through the streets. Uh, He's got an Armalite 15 rifle. That's an AR-15. And he does not pick any fights. In fact, at every turn, he's the one who is under attack and he defends himself. And he happened to have a gun, and he used that gun def- to defend himself. But I want you to think about how ridiculous this is. This is one of the uh, individuals on the district attorney's side, uh, in this case, who actually had this to say about Cal Rittenhouse defending himself. I want to play this clip. Why do you get to immediately just start shooting? As Mr. Binger said, he brought a gun to a fist fight he was too cowardly to use his own fist to fight his way out. He has to start shooting. So apparently, according to this absolute moron, um, I guess he's not aware that there are actually more deaths from fists than there are from guns in this country. And you can actually do damage and kill somebody with a bare fist. Uh, But here he is. I guess in the mind of this radical leftist lunatic, um, if someone attacks you violently with their fists. Well, all you're allowed to do and permitted to do in the rules in this guy's mind is respond with attacks with your fist. So if somebody breaks into your home, you don't know who they are. It's 2 a.m. in the morning uh, and they just come in with uh, their brass knuckles. Well, I guess you can only meet them with brass knuckles. Otherwise, you're cowardly. Your wife is sleeping in bed Your children are sound asleep in their bedrooms. An intruder comes into your house intending harm to your family, but they've only got brass knuckles on their hands. And so the new rules are to protect your family. If you grab a gun and kill the intruder or shoot the intruder, well, you're a coward because you should have just used your own brass knuckles to fend him off. These people, these people... This is a district attorney's office in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. Telling us, telling the jury, telling the American people that Kyle Rittenhouse is a coward for not defending himself with his knuckles instead of using a gun. Well, was he permitted, by the way, to use a gun when Gage Grosskreutz, the guy who survived, who got shot in the arm, Gage Grosskreutz... He's, he's one of the, he's the individual who had been to 75 different riots prior to, uh, the Kenosha one. So this guy's a professional rioter. And the media, of course, they say, oh, he's a paramedic. He's a paramedic. Don't you know? He showed up to all these riots, all these riots, not as a rioter. No, no, no. He was just, he's a, he's a BLM activist, but he came to all these riots to give life-saving treatment if anyone needed it. And in in Kenosha, he just happened to bring a handgun with him as well. Because we all know, paramedics and firefighters, right? In order to save lives, they bring handguns with them everywhere, right? That's what paramedics do. You save a life with a handgun. Shut your filthy mouths, you lying media, you lying prosecutors. We, in my audience, are not fools and we won't be taken for fools. So anyway... On the one hand, you have one moron from the district attorney's office telling us, accusing Kyle Rittenhouse of being a coward, a coward, for not responding with you know a fisticuff match, and using the gun that he had, even though they were reaching for his gun, trying to take his gun, he was beaten over the head with a skateboard in one instance for one of the guys, and he shot him. Well, Kyle Rittenhouse didn't have a skateboard. He didn't have a skateboard to respond in kind. He had a gun, and that's what he used. But think about this. So you have this individual saying that Cal Rittenhouse is a coward, and that the um, you know, you can only defend yourself based on whatever weapon uh the attacker is coming at you with. And then and then you have gage gross who put a pistol, aimed it. Just, you know, an inch away, he was on Kyle Rittenhouse. He pointed his pistol at Kyle Rittenhouse's head, and Kyle Rittenhouse shot him. And now Gage Grosskreutz is the one who survived. He's the one who made an absolute fool of himself on the stand when he admitted that it wasn't until he stuck his pistol between the eyes of Kyle Rittenhouse that Kyle Rittenhouse finally fired at his attacker, Gage Grosskreutz. But you have this one moron saying, you know, he's a coward for not using his fist. But what about the situation that we're talking about right now with Gage Grosskreutz? Gage Grosskreutz, who pointed a pistol at Kyle Rittenhouse's face, and Kyle Rittenhouse shot him in self-defense. Was that Okay. Can you do that if you have a pistol in your face? I'd like to know. But anyway, I, I, I want to tell you. So under cross-examination, right? Rittenhouse's lawyer, who was Corey Chirafisi, so he asked Grosskreutz, he, he said, it wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? And what does Grosskreutz say? Correct. Correct. And that was the moment this case really should have been over to begin with. That was the moment it should have been over. But of course, uh, uh, it it wasn't. It it goes on. But, um, you know, the individuals, by the way, uh, the media does this every time when they're trying to spin their fake narrative. Right. When it came down to Trayvon Martin. And uh, George Zimmerman, right? They called George Zimmerman, whose mother was Hispanic and father was white. They called him a white Hispanic, and I guess by that definition, you'd call uh, Barack Obama uh, a white black man. But but you know they painted George Zimmerman as some kind of monster doing uh, the patrol around his community, and of course he was attacked. Uh, uh, I mean, he, look, he got off the hook completely clean. George Zimmerman did. But, but you know he had he had abrasions he had uh, he was bleeding from his head uh, it looked like his head had been slammed on the ground and so there was an altercation between between him and Trayvon Martin but Trayvon Martin had a a, a quite the record himself quite the record uh, both in school and being involved in altercations, having a drug paraphernalia, and things like that. Once again, he was not an upstanding citizen. But of course, when the media puts the picture forward of Trayvon Martin, they pick some you know, 13-year-old version of him instead of the current version that he is, smiling like he's innocent. This is all part of their game to spread their narrative. But they did the same thing here. They tried to cover up, for example, who these individuals who Kyle Rittenhouse shot were. Joseph Rosenbaum he was one of the individuals who chased after Rittenhouse and lunged after his rifle before Kyle Rittenhouse shot him and killed him while well, Joseph Rosenbaum was a registered sex offender in fact he raped and molested 5 separate boys between the ages of 9 and 11 9 and 11 and i'm supposed to feel sorry for the child molester they don't want you to know that information you see It just goes on and on. But this is what they did with Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin, too. Remember, you know, with George Zimmerman, you know, they told us, oh, yeah, George Zimmerman had credit problems. He had brushes with the law. You know, he had a bad temper, we heard. And so that was all important background information, you know, to understand, you know, his motivations. But then the media wouldn't tell us, for example, that Trayvon Martin was suspended from school three times. Again, like I said, he, he, he was you know, had drug paraphernalia. He defaced school property with obscene graffiti. He was caught possessing items that weren't his own, allegedly stolen. And posting on the internet references to apparent criminal activity that he was involved in. But this was all irrelevant when it came to the trial, right? Because Trayvon Martin was clean and pure as the wind-driven snow. But anyway, that's where we are. But I want to play another clip here uh, because this trial was really, it was about uh, uh, putting the Second Amendment on the stand. This is uh, Binger, Binger, Metro Binger, uh, who, uh, well, you just listen for yourself. ...convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the danger, when you're the one provoking other people. Binger is arguing that, pardon me, again, Binger is arguing that you lose the right to self-defense when you bring a gun? What are you talking about? Self-defense doesn't have anything to do with, with what your weapon of self defense is. If you are attacked, if you are pursued and chased through the streets by a child molester and sex offender who comes at you, you defend yourself with whatever means are necessary. And this is the entirety of the prosecution's argument. And this is such a lie, of course, saying that, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, was causing the problems the city was on fire, and it was uh, it was fifty million dollars worth of damages to private property, not not a hundred million it was hundreds of millions throughout the country, certainly, if not in the billions in all the riots that took place, but it was fifty million dollars in damages and so the entirety of this idiot's case is that because Kyle Rittenhouse had a gun. And defended himself with a gun against someone who was attacking him with a skateboard or was trying to take his gun from him. Oh, well, because he had a bigger stick, he lost his right to self-defense. Have you heard anything so stupid in your life? This goes back to my, my, my seemingly insane analogy, which is quite appropriate and apropos, given what we're dealing with with these morons, about somebody coming into your home. To do you harm. Oh, you've got a shotgun and they've got a knife, and so you lose your right to self defense. Oh, somehow you're provoking the individual because he's in your home and you've got a gun, and so it's your fault that this person's in your house. You don't have a right to defend yourself and your family because you've got a bigger gun, a bigger weapon, a more potent weapon. Than the attacker and aggressor? This is why this is an absolute joke. These people should be disbarred. They should never be permitted to serve as lawyers in any case in the future ever again. Period. Period. Uh, but here, here's Joy Reid. I want to play Joy Reid. Uh, she's a disgrace. I want you to hear what she has to say. Her erudite commentary her take on this which is why she has no viewers whatsoever american media has even glorified the white male vigilante from steve mcqueen to clint eastwood and john wayne especially in westerns it gets trickier for some folks when the vigilante is named Django or nat love but given that vigilantism is so steeped in american culture should we really be surprised The 17-year-old Proud Boys fan believed that he had the perfect right to cross state lines and protect property with the AR-15 he got because he thought it was cool. Uh, That woman, Joy Reid, is a monster. She's an absolute monster who somehow has a platform to spew her lies, her deceit, and to show the American people time and time again how stupid she is. She's a hack. She has no talent. She has no brain. And yet there she is. There she is. You know, um, in that little clip I just played, she starts out talking about how vigilantism is celebrated in Westerns by the media with John Wayne. Oh, but of course, she has to point out and she has to... uh, destroy her, her her own argument that there's white vigilantism because we have movies like Django Unchained in which everyone celebrates a black individual being the vigilante. Oh, but we can't focus on that subject and that particular instant. No, 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 no. Back to white people. Back to white vigilantism. Is it any surprise that, you know, uh, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse buys an AR-15 because he thinks it's kind of cool? Um... I I I I really get I I really get fed up. I really get wound up listening to these people comment on our society and things that they bastardize and don't even understand. Um you know, all we're going to be left with by the way in America is vigilantism, and it will be necessary. It will be necessary. Uh the founding fathers were vigilantes. Uh as a matter of fact, Because they said to hell with King George III and the tyrannical king that would subject the colonists to excessive taxation amongst other violations of their unalienable rights. And we're right back there again and all we're left with. I mean, what what are we supposed to do? This is only going to get worse, by the way. Abraham Lincoln talked about this 20 years before the Civil War. I've talked about that on this program time and time again, actually, from a historical perspective. 20 years before the Civil War, there was mob rule throughout this country. Mob rule. And that was a frightful thing to Abraham Lincoln, and he could read the tea leaves. And he said, look, we got peace-loving Americans in this country who want nothing more than peace. But you can't have peace unless everyone abides by the Constitution. Everyone follows and adheres to the rule of law. If that doesn't happen, well, the only, only necessary uh, action and result is going to be the peace-loving Americans taking to the streets, defending themselves because the government isn't up for the task. Their constitutional rights are violated and they will have no choice but to think of overthrowing the government. They will have no choice but what? Well, to have a civil war, for example. And that's what happened. And there can be, I'm telling you right now, there can be no compromise between what the left wants in this country and what America is and must be, which is a law-abiding nation, that is held together and bound by the constitutional, Constitution of unalienable Rights. But we don't have that right now. You know, that's why this Kyle Rittenhouse case is so important. You know what this case really is about? And it'll get into some of these other stories I'm going to talk about from the left. But, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, th- this trial is about putting law-abiding patriots on notice. It's about telling us that the Democrat Party is the law. We don't have unalienable rights. If we, if we exercise our constitutional rights, well, screw it. We're coming for you. Be afraid. You think you got a Second Amendment right? You don't. You don't, unless you're a Democrat. If you're BLM and Antifa burning, rioting, and looting throughout the streets of America, we've got your back as Democrats. But if you try and defend yourselves against these lunatics... These radicals, well, you will not be protected by the government. You don't have any rights. The rights are whatever the Democrat Party decides they are on that day. If you looked at the Constitution for your protection, you won't find it there unless you're a Democrat. To hell with the Constitution, to hell with law-abiding citizens who actually are doing what's right, defending themselves, their property and their families. No, no, no. The Democrat Party is a mob. And that's what's got me, my voice, so raised right now. Because here we go again. We are on notice throughout this country right now, sitting on pins and needles, because the jury who is meeting right now, right now, to determine whether or not Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty or not, and we know he's not guilty, but they're under enormous pressure because you think these jurors don't know? They don't understand that if they come back with a not guilty verdict, that there will be riots in the streets. The media will justify those riots. The Democrat party will serve to justify it as well. We do not have law and order in this country. And the only solution going forward is for the right to react in kind. And this takes me to Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon Voted in the House by Democrats and nine cowardly Republicans. Well, they voted to hold Bannon in contempt for not showing up for the subpoena to sit there and endure this phony January 6th insurrection lie. And so Merrick Garland... And because the Democrats have the power, they have the presidency, they have the executive branch, well, Bannon had to turn himself in because he was going to be arrested. And he's going to be prosecuted for not showing up for this sham, sham committee. And you know what the Republicans must do going forward? Because let me tell you this. This battle for our country will not end until either we're destroyed completely or they're destroyed completely. That's the hard truth. We have to fight fire with fire now. That's just where we are. That's why we had a civil war. If the Republicans, as they exist today, had been operating during the time preceding the civil war, there wouldn't have been a civil war. We would have laid down and this entire country would have embraced slavery. That's the truth. And that's where we are today. Steve Bannon, you know what this... You know what this January 6th phony committee was about from the very beginning anyway? It was about getting Trump. It was about getting Trump. Because he was the Democrats' demon. And without having a demon, the Democrats don't have anything. They built their entire uh, uh, party, their identity around hatred for Donald Trump. From the Russia collusion to quid pro quo to two phony impeachment trials. And twice, of course, Donald Trump was exonerated. But that wasn't good enough. They will not stop until they destroy President Trump. Until they could put him in jail, if they could. And yet they're the ones who invented all this. They're the ones who have actually committed very real treason in this country. And so Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon is in the hands of the feds right now. For not showing up to this crappy, phony, January 6th insurrection lie committee. And the reason they're doing this with Bannon is because he's close to Trump. They want to get Trump. And what Republicans need to do the moment we take back everything is to set up our own committee, issue subpoenas for every political opponent we have in the Democrat Party, and put them in jail if they don't show up for their interview. That's what's required at this point. Because until they're destroyed, until they fear us, this will not stop. Because they hold all the levers of power and we can no longer turn over, sit down, and obey these people and let them get away with this. I mean, Eric Holder, who was the Attorney General under Barack Obama until he stepped down, he was held in contempt back in 2012. 17 Democrats joined in in that uh, that contempt vote in the House, it was two fifty five to sixty seven. Because he wouldn't hand over documents that were requested about the Fast and Furious operation. That's the operation that got Americans killed, in which the the Biden I mean sorry the Obama regime under Eric Holder was selling guns American arms to Mexican terrorists also known as cartels, and they were using those American weapons to wage war on our border patrol, on our own feds, on American citizens that resulted in the death of Americans. But Obama was president, so he used his executive privilege and he protected Holder. So despite the fact that Holder was held in contempt, nothing happened to him. And yet here's Steve Bannon who doesn't have any blood on his hands, who's not responsible for any scandal whatsoever, having to endure a subpoena from a committee that is guilty of another treasonous attempt, a a a a a narrative that is not true at all, and they want to get to Donald Trump. That's the goal of this to begin with. But they can use this committee now to subpoena anyone they want. Anyone that they just have an inkling that might know something about the January 6th lie. And if that person doesn't show up to their fake witch hunt, well, guess what? This administration, Merrick Garland, the Attorney General, will jail their political opposition. This is stuff that you see in Nazi Germany, you saw in Nazi Germany. That's who the Democrat Party is. And I want to tell you this. I got a couple of clips I want to play because this is, you know, at the tip of the spear of all of this kind of corruption is Pittleneck Adam Schiff, representative from California. Now, here's what he had to say. He voted against holding Holder in contempt back in 2012, and this is what he had to say about it. When we should be doing the nation's business, when we should be working on legislation to create jobs... Instead, we are here in what is nothing less than a partisan brawl over nothing. So when it came to Eric Holder being held in contempt, it was nothing more than a partisan, a political brawl. In his opinion, oh, it was a waste of time. It was a waste of time. We need to be focused on the economy. We need to be focused on things that actually matter to the American people. Not wasting our time in this this witch hunt of Eric Holder, who has blood on his hands from this Operation Scandal, Fast and the Furious. No, 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 no. Adam Schiff is above it all. Above it all. Right? And where is he today? Here is Adam Schiff. Pencil neck Schiff. With regards to the Bannon... Steve Bannon being held in contempt. Here's what he has to say now, suddenly changing his tune. ...into the Justice Department for prosecution. And that is a far swifter, far more serious remedy. Uh, and the fact uh, that if the Justice Department prosecutes Steve Bannon, other witnesses will see they'll face real consequences, including jail time and potentially stiff fines. That is a way of getting people's attention. So... Uh, you know, Ben's an important witness in his own right, but uh, but it's also important to send a message that the rule of law is back uh, and people are going to need to pay attention. Well, he doesn't pull any punches these days, does he? does he not? He just comes out with it. This is about putting people on notice, spreading fear amongst their political opposition. Who do you think he's talking about? Who do you think they're trying to send a message to? Donald Trump. Donald Trump has always been the target. They cannot tolerate... The fact that he defeated them, defeated their coup attempts, defeated their, their twice impeachment witch hunts, those trials, they can't tolerate it. And so despite the fact that he's not in office anymore, here we go. Here we go. Indictments coming. They will not give up on this. They must destroy their political enemies. And that's who this message is, is for. Obey us. There's a new sheriff in town, and uh, that sheriff is the Democrat Party. And you must do what we say. If you don't abide, if you don't do what we say, we will destroy you. We will punish you. We will put you in jail. And that's what's been going on. This is the message from the Democrat Party. This is the through line from the Rittenhouse trial to this this ridiculous Steve Bannon arrest now. Uh, to, to even what we have to talk about now, which is what happened at Project Veritas. Project Veritas. Let me pull up this story. The New York Post had a great story on this. Uh, deedly deed, stick with me here. All right. I'm just typing it in here. Um, Project Veritas. This is what I want to talk to you about. So Project Veritas... Project Veritas. Now you know this organization. You know this organization. Uh this is, is 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 I mean they are heroic in terms of 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 what they are doing exposing the left, exposing the corruption in these newsrooms and everything else. Um hang tight here. So James O'Keefe, right? He's the founder of Project Veritas. And the left absolutely hates him because, well, he shows the truth. He exposes them for the frauds and uh, corrupt individuals that they are in the media and in the Democrat Party, one and in the same. Now, now his office and other journalists who worked for him, their offices were raided. Uh, in fact, they took his mobile device. They took all kinds of, of information from him. And, of course, the message is, just like it was to Tucker Carlson and any, any of their other political opponents who dare to speak out against the tyrants on the left, is don't do any journalism. Don't investigate us. Shut up. You don't have a First Amendment right. You don't have a Second Amendment right in the case of, of Kyle Rittenhouse. But when it comes to journalism, you don't have a First Amendment right to be a journalist. Unless you do and say what the left approves, right? This has been the message all along with Twitter, with social media, silencing the voices of doctors who, for example, have a differing opinion from those in the bureaucracy, Fauci, about the coronavirus, about the vaccines, about treatment options. Well, you're accused of dangerous misinformation. And this is the totalitarianism that we are facing today. The totalitarianism that Adam Schiff claims to be uh, combating, he's actually ushering it in. He's actually representing totalitarianism, pushing it forward, and embracing it. That's the left today. But this Project Veritas raid, it goes back to this Ashley Biden alleged diary. Now, someone came to Project Veritas a long time ago, and they had found what looked to be Ashley Biden, the daughter of Joe Biden's diary. And this diary had damning, pardon me, information in it. That information included her reminiscing about improper behavior between her father, Joe, and her taking inappropriate showers with her. And what let me let me before I get into it let me put it this way What are the odds that Ashley Biden leaves her diary with this incriminating information about her father behind? Just like what are the odds that Hunter Biden just happens to leave his personal laptop with incriminating information on it in a uh Uh, you know, a workshop, you know, that repairs laptops and things like that, and just forgetting about it. I think these children are crying out for help. I think that's what this amounts to. I don't think it's accidental that Hunter Biden's laptop, yes, he's a crack addict, yes, he's a moron, yes, he's irresponsible, yes, he's stupid. But for two children to leave behind something that has such damning information on it about the family and that father, I don't think it's coincidental. I think it's a cry for help. And, of course, the media covers it up. The media covers it up. But nonetheless, uh, this couldn't couldn't be verified by uh, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. And so they didn't run with a story. They didn't run with a story. It was published elsewhere with someone else. But they didn't even take uh, the, the diary. And they didn't report on it. But despite this, uh, the feds and the FBI... Well, they have raided his home, his office, uh, because there's a federal probe into this alleged theft of a diary belonging to Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley. Now, it's not a criminal offense, by the way. It's not a federal offense, even, to, even if James O'Keefe had taken this diary and reported it, that's not a federal offense. It's not a federal offense to take someone's diary from a hotel room that was left behind, by the do- I mean, look, look at the New York Times, by the way, who's a part of this whole thing, colluding with the FBI. They obtained tax information that went back a decade or something like that, illegally, and ran the story in the New York Times. The FBI didn't show up and raid the headquarters of the New York Times. This type of thing happens. But James O'Keefe didn't even do what the New York Times does on a regular basis. And so the FBI has taken his, his contacts and information. Now the point is, now they've got information that goes back to who his sources are. And that's what this was really about. It was one, about getting his sources, putting them on notice. And it was about sending a message to anybody who would conduct actual journalism against this Nazi-esque regime. And to tell them that you too could be next. You could be raided. We will use the corrupt FBI, our new uh, SS forces, to come for you. And so this is attack. And, and look, you've had the ACLU and others come out and condemn this, which is shocking, actually, because it really is. This does not happen in a free republic, a democracy like the United States of America. This happens in third world countries and banana republics, China, for example. And that's how close we are to joining the ranks of these totalitarian regimes throughout history. Project Veritas, they didn't even publish excerpts of this diary after, after it, uh, it got them because they couldn't verify its authenticity. So they didn't do anything at all, but they're coming after Which leads me to, by the way, this action seems to corroborate and verify the authenticity of this diary. If they're so, so concerned about what's in this diary... Which you can actually find the contents online anyway, as it is. Well, what are you coming for a fake diary for? This is exactly what they do too and did with the laptop. With the laptop. Hunter Biden's laptop. They said it was Russian disinformation. They said it wasn't it wasn't real, even though it had proof. It's a laptop. It's got pictures of, of Hunter Biden with his crack hose contents in it. And they said, oh, it's not real until after the election. And they said, oh, actually, it is real. It is real. And I actually think this diary should, su- should become very, very important now. It should become very important because what's in there is, is really, really creepy. Creepy Joe is on another level. The way he sniffs these people's hair, the way he grabs these children and brings them close to him and puts his face and kisses them on the cheek and comments about little girls and how they're sitting in the audience, how they look like little adults in their little dresses when they're 10 years old. This guy's a creep. This guy's mentally unfit. Not just from the perspective that his brain isn't there, that he's experiencing dementia and everything else, but no, 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 this guy is a literal creep showering with his daughter inappropriately according to his daughter in this diary. All right, I'm going to take a short break and I'll be right back. I'm back. Now, why be you? Crack that soul? This is Drew now, why Allen. That now, Man, I got to tell you, it feels really, really right. just feels good to be back with you, where I'm supposed to be. And, um, the Democrats stole the 2020 election. Is that abrupt? Is that a sudden transition? They stole the 2020 election. Absolutely true. And I've got the proof right here in front of me. And I'm going to tell you about it because no one else is talking about it. You'll only hear it here. And that's my goal is to tell you things that you're not hearing from the driveling mouths of other pundits out there. Things that actually matter for this country. We don't follow the the little laser pointer like the cat on this program, we get straight to those things that are relevant, important, and must be spoken about. And we don't shy away from the truth. Now, Mark Elias, I talked about him a couple of weeks ago before I came down with the China virus. And uh, he is the uh, election lawyer of the left. He's the guy who accuses Republicans of stealing elections time and time again. He's the one who says that voting equipment uh, um, is being, you know, hacked. He, he, he does all the things, says all the things that the right is accused of saying that can't be true, and then says it, uh, uh, to the benefit of the left. Alright? Now, he's got this uh, website called Democracy Docket. Now, like all good totalitarians out there, um, he of, he of course pretends to be protecting democracy, and accusing Republicans of destroying democracy when in fact it's the reverse. His sole purpose in life is to destroy democracy and upend free and fair elections. Let me just give you an idea of who he is. Here's how he goes on in this article from October 13th. The title is How the GOP Will Try to Subvert Our Elections. He writes, We are one maybe two elections away from a constitutional crisis. More than a year ago, before Election Day, Donald Trump made clear that he would not accept the results of free and fair elections if he did not win. Let me stop there. The Democrats never accepted the 2016 election. They're the ones who are responsible for all of our constitutional crises, including, including the fact that we are... We are experiencing absolute pain in this country because of a president who stole an election, who was installed into office. Immediately following the insurrection on January 6th, Mark Elias writes, Republican state legislatures began laying the groundwork for 2022 and 2024. They enacted new voter suppression laws optimized to disenfranchise black, brown, and young voters. They created false narratives of election irregularities and rallied their supporters around the big lie. Do you know what he's doing here? Now, of course, he's talking about things that would prevent the left from cheating, like requiring voter ID laws. Uh, That's what he's talking about. So he actually doesn't want free and fair elections because they learned in 2020 that they could steal a presidential election with mail-in ballots and by sending in armies of lawyers to change election laws around this country to create scenarios in which they could get as many fake votes, inauthentic votes, illegal votes, dead votes as they needed. To steal an election. And so the Republicans have taken some efforts, some strides in red states to prevent that from ever happening again. And that's his problem. That's his problem. Um, here he goes. Uh, you know, Democratic efforts in the states have been more limited. Where they control state power, Democrats have not expanded voting rights at the same pace as Republicans have restricted them. You see, there wasn't enough cheating in 2020 for this guy. New York, he says, still has many restrictive voting laws, including a ban on providing food and water to people waiting in line at the polls. Well, of course not. You can't bring a cheeseburger and water to individuals in the voting line as a matter of law. Now, they can go and get their own water. They can go to their own little cheeseburger stand. But you can't have corrupt individuals approaching these voters and buying their votes by giving them hamburgers and water and engaging them in conversation about who they're going to vote for, etc., etc. Virginia requires an ID to vote in person and a witness signature to vote by mail. See, this is voter suppression to the left. Voter IDs and a witness signature to vote by mail. Colorado, he writes, which prides itself on its vote-by-mail law, rejected 29,000 mail-in ballots, two-thirds of which were from voters under the age of 35. So Colorado actually identified and found 29,000 mail-in ballots, apparently, that didn't pass the smell test, that didn't meet the criteria, and that's not good enough for him. You see, when you reject mail-in ballots because they're fraudulent, that's voter suppression. And so it gets into this Democrat proposal of two pieces of significant voting rights legislation, which would be the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. Together, they would rival the magnitude of the 1965 Civil Rights Act, yet neither has prospects for success as long as the Senate's filibuster rule applies. You see, he wants to do away with the filibuster because that stands in the way of the federalizing of elections to tell red states, this is what they want, right? The red states are making it harder for the Democrats to cheat. And so the Democrats are wanting to pass their voting rights legislation, which would require the red states to get Democrat permission at the federal level to change their voting laws. So people like Mark Elias, who are activists, would tell these red states, no, no, you can't require voter ID. No, no, you can't reject these ballots. No, 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 you can't change your voting law. You can't protect elections and ensure they're free and fair because we say so. That's what they want. Um, <clears throat> let's go on. Ah, deed, deed. uh, da da da. All right, here we go. Let me just re- read through this with you. The misguided effort ignores the fact that voting rules that maximize participation result in fewer disputed outcomes, while complex and restrictive rules create a larger pool of disputed ballots that can be used to justify post-election challenges. Let me just read that again. Complex and restrictive rules create a larger pool of disputed ballots. Exactly! Exactly! If you require voter ID, if you... Put more stringent measures to ensure that ballots can't be fraudulently signed or just dropped off. You know, for example, this idea of the drop-off boxes for the mail-in ballots and then having no signature verification requirements whatsoever. That, that of course, is ripe for fraud because somebody can come in and drop 100, 200 ballots off anonymously. And then when those ballots are picked up, there's no signature requirements. So those ballots just get counted. You don't know who they came from. You don't know who voted. You don't know any of it. And so he's saying that, of course, if you say that you need to check a signature based on what's on the database, well, according to him, that's not ensuring the votes are fair. That's creating disputed ballots, and that can be used to justify post-election challenges. They don't want post-election challenges going forward. You know why? Because Mark Elias, despite the fact that, yes, he's a communist. And he's a sick, sick, demented fool. He actually understands that in 2020, the Republicans could have challenged the election results and prevented Joe Biden from being installed in office better than Republicans understood they could. So he's saying that Republicans are manufacturing fraud where none exists. By manufacturing fraud, Elias says Republicans create controversy that can be exploited after election day by Republican candidates who do not prevail. Um. here we go. Republicans know that the single point of greatest vulnerability for election subversion, he calls it, is the state certification of election results. And each of these changes for making voting more difficult to ensuring that those who count votes are more partisan <clears throat> provides an excuse for Republican election officials to refuse to certify election results. He says, if Georgia Governor Brian Kemp and Arizona Governor Doug Ducey had refused to sign their state's certificates of ascertainment, President Joe Biden would have faced a difficult path to have his electors in those states recognized. Bingo! Bingo! This is what the Trump organization was talking about when it came to Mike Pence and these other cowardly Republicans. They didn't have to certify these election results. They could have said no, and we could have done the due diligence to actually foment, actually cement, sorry, in the minds of the American people that we had a free and fair election. They could have stopped Joe Biden, and he actually understands this. Had those two governors also refused to sign certificates of election for the three senators and 11 Democratic members of Congress elected in 2020, Democrats would have likely been in the minority in both the House and Senate. Do you understand what Mark Elias is admitting here? They got away with 2020 because the Republicans were cowards. They were cowards. But he's telling us that we wouldn't be in this situation if Republicans had actually used their constitutional right not to certify those electors. And so he wants to stop this in the future because they plan to use the 2020 model going forward so that there are no free and fair elections. And they can ensure that Democrats always win the important elections. So anyway, he gets into his own solutions to solve this, which is to up in the constitutional system and the way we do things. And, you know, this is the thing. The contested election of 1876, that was between the Democrat candidate Samuel Tilden and the Republican candidate Rutherford B. Hayes. Now the Democrats cheated in 1876. They intimidated voters. They had fake ballots and they stole that election from Rutherford B. Hayes. Tilden was the winner. But Republicans refused to certify the election results and it resulted in the bipartisan committee that met behind closed doors and eventually Rutherford B. Hayes was declared the president of the United States, not Samuel Tilden. That is the exact same thing that could have happened in 2020 had Republicans actually done their due diligence and had spines and guts and cared about this nation. But they didn't. And Mark Elias here is admitting that. He's admitting it. They stole 2020 and got away with it. And he's worried that they won't be able to reenact this going forward because Republicans are engaging in actions to fortify free and fair elections in red states. So there you have it. If you read and listen to what the Democrats say amongst themselves, the cat is out of the bag. The cat is out of the bag. They stole 2020, and we've got a fake president in the Oval Office. And that's the truth, and we can't shy away from it anymore. People just want to accept it. People want to move on. But look where we are. Look at the pain. Look at the absolute destruction brought on this great nation by this Democrat Party because of what happened in 2020. I mean, we know that Mark Zuckerberg spent hundreds of millions of dollars in doing exactly that which Mark Elias is accusing the Republicans of doing, of creating these partisan individuals, uh, of building a a ground-up movement that was well-funded to ensure that Democrats were in the positions of overseeing the counting, for example, in these swing states, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing, and they succeeded. And now, in light of them not being able to federalize elections, they're afraid that they won't be able to ensure the same outcome going forward. So I thought you'd like to know what Mark Elias is up to, that he's admitted what happened in 2020, And then he's very concerned that they won't be able to cheat as well going forward because finally some type of activity and behavior from the right uh, might foil their plans going forward. Now, I want to finish with this here. Man, it is good to be back with you. Uh, There's a new nickname, self appointed, self given, for Joe Biden. They don't like Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. He will forever be Let's Go, Brandon uh in our minds and in the minds of the American people, but uh they're trying to to get rid of that. They're trying to give him a new name, and that's Sheriff Joe. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Jin Saki's pushing this, of course. Uh she gave a press conference in which she said, I quote, and as our executive order is an indication of the president is very focused, they call him Sheriff Joe for a reason, on the implementation of this, making sure we keep waste, fraud, and abuse we prevent waste, fraud, and abuse, and that we are working directly for hours a day, which is what Mitch Landro will be doing with governors, local officials, and others. Now she's talking about, he passed an executive order that's a task force headed by the corrupt former mayor of New Orleans, one of those most corrupt cities historically in the country. So they put this guy, former mayor of, of uh, New Orleans, Mitch Landro's is his name, through an executive order in charge of overseeing, overseeing. Um, the transmission of the trillion plus dollars in the infrastructure bill that Joe Biden just cha- just just signed, ensuring that that there's no waste, fraud, and abuse, that that money goes where it's supposed to go. So of course they put a corrupt mayor in charge of it. This. this is perfect. This is perfect. So he's he's Sheriff Joe, Sheriff Joe. I'm sure that'll stick and and really really go far. These people are an embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment. You know, we've got inflation that's eating away at the pocketbooks of middle class and poor American citizens throughout this country. And and do you know, I've got one more clip for you. Uh, this is an economic advisor to the Biden regime. Brian Deese is his name. And this is how he says he's going to solve inflation. Get ready for this so what can americans expect in the short term is inflation going to get worse before it gets better is there anything president biden can do in the short term we're focused on how to address this in the short term and the medium term george in the short term number one we have to finish the job on COVID. We know that the more that people feel comfortable getting out into the economy, going to movies rather than buying a television at home, working in the workplace, the more we can return a sense of normalcy to our economy. Getting those shots out for 5 to 11-year-olds So is he does provide a lot of <clears throat> to question. to American families. were making a lot of progress but his, on uh, front. He and uh, the Biden regime's solution to solving inflation is to uh, jab uh, this... this vaccine in the arms of 5 to 11-year-olds. That's going to solve inflation because inflation is caused by 5 to 11-year-olds who aren't vaccinated. That's the real source of the inflation problem. It's not the fact that they've printed money at records that we've never seen before in our history. I mean, these people, I mean, they know. They know what caused inflation, but they can't admit that they're responsible for it. And it's only going to get worse under this administration. They won't solve it because inflation is caused by there being money printed like this. So it devalues the currency. And so it's an economic issue, not a vaccine shot in the arms of 5 to 11 year olds issue. It's economic policy that will fix and, and change the inflation problem in this nation. Uh, but here you have him pushing vaccines on children. That's gonna somehow improve the value of the dollar. Somehow the, the price of, uh, you know, pork, beef, and chicken, which is up 34% in this country, that's gonna come down if we just vaccinate our children. That's gonna do it. Uh, meanwhile, they, they now are onto this new <coughs> narrative, pardon me, that, uh, you know, infrastructure was never about inflation. Uh, the reconciliation bill was likewise never billed as an inflation-solving bill, but because inflation is out of control and every American feels it, suddenly they're repackaging these bills as being the cure to inflation. So inflation's caused by printing money, and their solution is to print more money to solve inflation. Uh, we we in this nation cannot uh, survive much longer. Uh, these types of idiots. In the Oval Office and in the government, they are intentionally destroying this country, intent, intentionally doing great harm to uh, our economy. And the reason they're doing it is they want to 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 so thoroughly wreck the American citizen. They want to so thoroughly wreck the economy uh, that 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 they believe that. Their constituents and the rest of Americans will suddenly be so stupid that they they will they will beg the Democrat Party uh, to pass anything and everything they want. It's almost like a wartime situation, you know. In war times, uh, people just want somebody to lead the way, and they give up their penchant for rational thought. They just want a savior, and so they want to create a situation that is so dire in this country. That people will get rid of their common sense completely and just beg the Democrat Party to do anything and everything they can and want, even if it's a lie. And that's the goal. And in the process, they'll fundamentally transform this country into a communist regime in which there is no middle class. You have the poor and you have the Democrat Party. And that's what we'll be left with. And, uh, once they pass this stuff, you know, there's no taking it back out. It's like the vaccine. You stick it in your arm, there's no sucking it back out. They pass this social reengineering bill. They pass these, this legislation that will hollow out the energy sector so completely. Uh, there will be no going back. America, as you know it, you can kiss it goodbye. But this is what the Democrat party's up to. Uh, they are intentionally destroying the country and making excuses making excuses, making it bad. And so now they say, oh yeah, if we just pass this, all our problems will go away. Gas prices will go down. You know, um, you know you'll be able to walk on water if uh, you just let the Democrats do what they want. Uh, but make no mistake, um, this pain and suffering will never end until the Democrat Party is thoroughly destroyed and hollowed out themselves. Uh, they're at war with us that's evident and it's time that we get on a war footing ourselves and meet them on the battlefield because until we're willing to do that uh we're running out of time and this country will cease to exist uh feels good to be back with you i'm losing my voice here it's getting weak Uh, i want to thank you for being with me again it feels great to be back with you um and uh and i look forward to doing it again soon until next time